This sermon is titled Leadership the 4 Cs of Leadership Part 1. Be enriched as you listen. All right. Are you ready to spend some time in God's word? All right. So we are as we announced last Sunday, we are going to spend a few weeks, I think 3 and maybe more, uh if if the, if there's a need. We're going to talk about leadership and more specifically the 4 Cs of leadership. Now, uh, many of you sitting here are leaders. You lead organizations, you uh are leaders in various capacities and so, you know, I understand that uh, I'm not speaking to uh necessarily uh, an audience that is unfamiliar with this subject. Many of you uh actually have ministries and lead ministries uh that uh, talk about leadership and train people in leadership and so I I very much recognize that but you know uh, uh like many of you I have spent time reading learning uh about leadership but I think maybe about 6 years ago 6 7 years ago uh in my mind as I was just you know thinking through things I said you know uh, can we at least for me I wanted this little simple easy to understand framework on leadership that captures what a great leader would look like and what good leadership looks like looks like i wanted something a framework in my mind because there's so much out there on leadership and there continues to come out you know a lot of information both from the church and outside they continue to constantly put out ideas on leadership and so there's so much out there but i wanted something in my mind something simple you know i needed a framework how can i one evaluate myself am i being a good leader uh am i providing good leadership of course i need to validate myself plus if i look at somebody else how can i assess not from a critical judgmental point of view but for us to discern and i think the church as individuals as a church as a community and as a church worldwide we need the ability to discern who is a god sent leader and who is not maybe can't go by popular opinion or by votes or any of those kinds of things we need a clear objective framework to discern who is a good leader who is a great leader providing good leadership that we can submit ourselves to and follow uh, so for both those these reasons both to evaluate myself and also to discern good leadership great leaders and good leadership uh, i wanted a very simple framework and so I try to think through, of course, pray, seek God for wisdom. You know, how can I put this in a very simple way? And out of that time of thinking and and so on, this was about six, seven years ago. I came up with this very simple framework that I just called the four C's of leadership. Uh, this is not anything new. It is. It's always been there. But to put this in a very simple way, that if I look at these four areas of character, of competence. of compassion and charisma these four areas provide a i would say a complete framework that can characterize a great leader and also understand or recognize great or good leadership and so we're going to talk about these four things of course we're coming from a biblical perspective but all of these things apply you know across the board wherever you are i mean whatever field you're working in these things matter and we will see and i'll just share some information with us 
that these things matter regardless of what area you are engaged in where you are being a leader. And, you know, leadership is, is so important, not only in the church, but in, uh, in, in all spheres of life. Now, if we want to say, you know, what is leadership? Simply put, leadership is the ability to take yourself and at least one other person from where you are to where you should be. So simply put, leadership is the ability to take yourself and at least one other person from where you are to where you should be. So if you are the leader of an organization, well, you're responsible to take that organization from where they are today to where they should be, whatever they're achieving or whatever they're trying to become. So you're taking people in a, on a journey and you're part of that journey yourself. That means you're making that journey. You're not just pointing the way, but you are making that journey, taking them from where they are to where they should be. And we heard so nicely from Ananya, Ananya about diet. You see, some of you are homemakers. You say, I have no leadership. Well, really, if you think about it, you are leading your family. You may be a homemaker, but you have leadership. In, for instance, diet. You are leading. You are the main person in charge to take your family from where they are to where they should be as far as health is concerned. The homemakers in charge. Are you with me? Yeah. yeah. So even if you're a homemaker, you're in leadership. You take your family from where they are to where they should be. You're leading the way. And you you know, everyone is in your household are benef you know, benefit from your leadership in that area. So like this, you know, all of us are, are leaders in some capacity, have some sphere of influence, and we can take people from where they are to where they should be. And, uh, and, 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 you know, just at the very beginning, I just want to do mention this, that the Bible does talk about leadership, being a grace gift. And you read about this in Romans, the 12th chapter. This is laying a little bit of introduction here. So Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8, the apostle Paul writes this. He says, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith, our ministry. Let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with the liberality. He who leads with diligence. So you see there, leadership is a grace gift. So that God empowers all of us in this area. There's a grace gift. Uh, of our leadership. And God empowers us. And it says, if you lead, you lead with diligence, with passion, with commitment, with hard work. Uh, you know, that's all wrapped up in that word diligence. And we'll come to, come to that a little later. But leadership is a grace gift. It's, it's an empowering that God gives to us. But not only is, does God empower us, but leadership is something all of us can develop through learning, training, and practice. So leadership, you know, there's always this debate, are leaders born or are leaders made? And I think the, uh, the general consensus is that leaders are made. 
They may be born with some inherent predispositions that make them a good leader, but really a leader is developed through learning, training, and practice. So all that we are going to talk about in this series on leadership, all of us can learn, can grow, can develop in, and, and can, can grow in through learning, training, and practice. So don't say, you know, I, I can never be a better leader. You can. You and I can. We can always learn how to be better leaders in whatever capacity uh, you and I are providing leadership. So uh, great leaders and good leadership does not happen by accident. We, we grow in these things. So today, we're going to talk about the first framework, first piece of this framework, first aspect of framework, and that has to do with character. Character. Great leaders and good leadership always demonstrates great character. And character is so important. Now, when we talk about character, what is character? Character is who you are, really are, as a person. It's your moral fiber. Who you are on the inside. Now, character is different from reputation and personality. Reputation is what people think you are. And... Sometimes we can hide behind a facade and create a great reputation that may not necessarily be aligned to who we really are. Personality is what you appear to people. You're very outspoken, very, you know, uh, friendly. All of that is personality. But it may or may not have anything to do with your moral fiber. So character is your moral fiber. Reputation is what people think you are. Personality is what you appear to people. And hopefully all these three are in sync. Are you with me so far? We're talking about character. Who you are really as a person. Your secret choices express your true character. Who you are when nobody is watching is the real you. The behavior and the choices you demonstrate in private actually reveal your true moral fiber. Because we can all put up pretenses in front of pastor. But that's not your character. Are you with me? Who you are when nobody's watching, that's, re that's real you. That's your character. Your moral fiber. And so... Character is what we want to talk about. Now, why is character so important? Because at least two reasons. Character establishes credibility. If you live a life consistent with um, a strong character, it builds credibility. And credibility cannot be bought with money. The trust you earn of people cannot be purchased with money. It only comes through character. Are you listening? And as a great leader, this commodity of trust is very important. And that is earned through credibility, which comes through the life that you live, 
the character you demonstrate. Character also earns reliability. That people look at you as somebody who's dependable. They can count on you. And they can also predict your behavior. They know how you'll act or react in various situations. So both credibility and reliability are two very important aspects of good leadership. If a leader is unpredictable, people are afraid. Don't go near. You don't know what will happen. Either an earthquake or a volcano. And you don't want to be such a leader. Right? You want to be somebody people can rely on. And so both credibility and reliability come out of a life that's lived, a life of consistent character. And so th these are very, very important. Uh, uh, this re most recent uh, July-August issue of the Harvard Business Review magazine carries a very interesting article. The title of the article is, When, when Hiring CEOs Focus on Character. Now this is not... A Christian magazine. This is Harvard Business Review magazine. The title of this article, the most recent issue, July, August 2022 issue, the title of this article is, When Hiring CEOs Focus on... Finally, they're reading the Bible. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. This article was written by uh, an associate professor of business administration, Harvard Business School, Ayesha Day. Now, she spent many years, and I think it's over 10 years, researching and studying the ways in which the lifestyle of CEOs, the personal lifestyle behaviors of CEOs, how their personal lifestyles affect what happens to the organizations they lead. So she looked at things like materialism, a propensity for rule-breaking, and, uh, and, and you can do this in America, maybe not in India, but she looked at, she researched their criminal records, the costs of homes and automobiles, and, uh, and, and other things that she could find about their personal lifestyles. And then she, she, she came out, and this is all based on data. So after all this research, she comes to this conclusion that firms led by CEOs with even minor trafficking, traffic tickets or excessive spending habits are disproportionately prone to fraud, insider trading, and other risky business activities. So in short, she says, if you want to safeguard and build a strong organization, hire CEOs with good character. And the church is saying, we told you a long time ago. <laughs> but they're discovering this now. The point is this. And regardless of what sphere you're involved in, if you want to be a good leader, you want to have a good impact on your organization, the people you're leading, you need to be a person of character. Good character. It's like this, you know, Jesus said, a good tree will bear good fruit. Very simple. If you want good fruit, you need to have a good tree. Now you can't take a... So he said... Do men gather grapes from palm trees? Do men gather figs from the, uh, the, 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 I cannot get in that word. 
Do men gather figs from weeds? That's the word. Obvious answer is no. You want grapes, you don't go to the thorn bush. You want figs, you don't go to the weeds. But you know what the church does? The churches will anoint the thorn bush. You'll get grapes. We'll prophesy over the weeds. You will get figs. Excuse me, read your Bible. You will know them by the fruits. But this is what the church is doing today. We anoint the thorn bush. We anoint the weeds. And we say they will give us grapes. And you wait. Hoping to get grapes. And you won't. Jesus already said a tree is known by its fruit. A good tree will bear good fruit. No matter how much you pray and prophesy and anoint. No. Now if God can transform our hearts. That's a different thing. But I'm just talking about this leadership aspect. For us to see good fruit. You need good leaders. Leaders with character. Are you listening? So. Let's just try to understand, and, and, and you know, if you look at Daniel, he's a man of great, a great, there are many great examples, Daniel and Joseph are great examples in the Bible of good character, you know, and, and, and this Daniel, in his workplace, Daniel chapter 6, verses 1 to 3, uh, Darius, uh, 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 the, the, the king, the, the Medes and the Persians, he, he came in after the Persians, he decided to, you know, set a hundred people over his kingdom. And over them, verse 2, Daniel 6, verse 2, he said, Daniel, because, verse 3, Daniel distinguished himself above all the others because there was an excellent spirit in him. I like how the easy to read version puts it in Daniel 6, 3. It says, Daniel proved himself to be a better supervisor than any of the others. He did this by his good character and great ability. This was in the workplace. Daniel was a man of good character, great ability, competence. We'll talk about that next Sunday. But he was a man of good character. And, you know, the king elevated him. So let's talk about these ingredients for good character. I'm I'm just jumping over myself, you know. Understand this. I just want to make these points here. You know, Proverbs 22 verse 1 says, A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. A good name. Now he's not talking about reputation per se, but he's talking about that good name that comes out of a good character. So that's of more value than great riches in silver and gold uh, uh, is what the Bible is teaching us. In Proverbs 10, 7 it says, the memory of the righteous is blessed. So the legacy you leave, the life that people remember, is going to be so valuable. The memory of the righteous is blessed. So, person of great character. And I want to encourage each one of us as leaders, focus on your character. Focus on your character. Amen? And ask the Lord, God, as a leader, I want to be a man or woman of good character. As I lead my organization, as I lead my people, I, you, know, you may be a team leader, you may be a project manager, you may be the head of a business unit, you may whatever capacity you're working. God, I want to be a man or a woman of good character. 
So, what are the ingredients? Seven ingredients, very quickly, on, about good character. Number one, and these are things familiar to us, but it's good to be reminded. Number one is integrity. You've got to be honest, ethical, truthful, face the facts, don't lie about the data, look at it. Are you listening? Man of integrity, a man or a woman of integrity. Psalm 24, verse 4 and 5. He who, he who, has, who can ascend to the hill of the Lord? Who comes before God? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Let's all say this together. Clean hands, pure heart. Clean hands, pure heart. Try to live like that. God, I want to be a person who has clean hands and a pure heart. Simple. I want to keep my hands clean. I want to keep my heart pure. My motives has to be clean. And that only you and God can know. Because nobody else can come and check your heart. Clean hands, pure hearts. Integrity. And when you and I live that way, you know, Isaiah 33, 15 to 16 says, He who walks righteously and speaks uprightly, he who despises the gain of oppressions, who gestures with his hands, refusing bribes, who stops his ears from hearing of bloodshed and shuts his eyes from seeing evil, he will dwell on high. The place of integrity is your place of immunity. Nobody can touch you. He will dwell on high. His place of defense with the fortress of rocks. Bread will be given him. His waters will be sure. See, God says you'll be taken care of. Now, I remember this happened many years ago. I'll share some stories, and I have to be very careful. I shouldn't give details out. But this happened here in this our city, Bangalore. This, I think, you know, and my remembering of years may not be very accurate, but somewhere around 2008, somewhere around that time, you know, about 30-some churches in our city, we all pastors, we all came together. We wanted to do some things together. Uh, at that time, there were certain things going on. Uh, that needed that kind of, you know, we needed to be together. So we all came together. We said, you know, we'll pull in money. We will do these things. We all did that. Uh, we got that started. And then there was one particular project that we wanted to do together. And so we said, you know, different churches will contribute. And uh, APC, we contributed one lakh towards that common fund. And then the understanding was if we don't use it, the money will be returned. So that particular work didn't go forward, and so we had a meeting, and we said, okay, whatever money was given has to be returned. I said, okay, we returned. So that week, I got a call from the person in charge handling that money, and here was the question. He said, Pastor, do you want the one lakh in your name or the name of the church? I was so angry. I mean, like, is this even a question to ask? The money came from... Come on, guys. And the money should go back to the? Good, good people. <laughs> but I was so angry. He's asking me, Pastor, do you want the check in your name or in the name of the church? How could he even ask a question like this? But as a leader, and this is just a simple example, but as a leader, you will be put in positions where 
You can compromise your integrity if you want to, and nobody except God and you will know. So my answer was very quick. I said, hey, the money came from the church. It has to go back to the church. Thank you. Finished. No questions. But if a person wanted to, they say, yeah, happily put it in the name, my name. <laughs> nobody will know. But you have to make... You have to be a person of integrity, character, at all times, whether people watch or not. So that's a very important part of being a good or a great a leader with a, with a great character. Number two is accountability, which is your self-governing ability. A, a, a leader with good character doesn't need somebody else to come and tell him what's right and wrong. He has the self-governing ability. Means you have your own moral compass that tells you what's right and what's wrong. And if you as a leader don't have that, you need to get it from God. That sense of accountability. Being first and foremost accountable to God and to yourself. And, and this is so true even in, in the church. And I remember, uh, you know, there was a time when... Uh, and this was when we just came back and started the ministry, uh, the church here. And, and, and the big question was, you know, who are you going to be accountable to? Now, we are not part of an ecclesiastical order like the CNI or CSI or one of those, those mainline denominations. So we don't have that kind of a hierarchical structure overseeing us. And so the question was, who are you going to be accountable to? And and there are all kinds of things that people do. You know, they sign up here. They put some name on themselves. And, you know, I, I'm under this and I'm under that. And, but my observation was, you know, you could put yourself under any umbrella. But at the end of the day, the umbrella is not going to dictate you. In the sense, if you want to go and mess up big time, you can. And I was just watching all that happening. And so finally I came to this conclusion. True accountability is being true to, your, to God to yourself, to your family, and to the people you serve. And if you can't maintain this accountability, no matter what denomination you're under, you're going to mess up. This is very basic. If you can't be accountable to God, to yourself, to your family, and to the people you serve, you are not going to be accountable to anybody else. Are you listening? So accountability starts with you. When Joseph was tempted, you know, uh, okay, that scripture comes later. <laughs> but anyway, it's a good point. When Joseph was tempted, you know, when he resisted the temptation, he said, how can I do this great sin against God? He was accountable right there. He knew where his accountability or who he was accountable to. So second important ingredient is you hold yourself accountable. And it is important to have safeguards. I'm not against that. So, you know, organizationally, we have safeguards. We have policies. Uh, we have guidelines. Uh, and, and you abide by those things. But most importantly, be self-governing. Hold yourself accountable. So that's a very important ingredient of good 
character. Galatians 6 verses 4 and 5 from the Passion Translation says this, Let everyone be devoted to fulfill the work God has given to them, to do with excellence, and their joy will be in doing what's right and being themselves and not in being affirmed by others. It means your joy comes from doing what is right. Others will applaud you. That's okay. But you know you've done what's right. That's where your joy comes from. Number three is commitment. And the third ingredient of, a, of, of good character is commitment. That means you're not fickle, you're not double-minded, you're not on and off, hot and cold, uh, but you are committed, you are sincere, you are steadfast, you're immovable, you're committed to whatever the cause that you're pursuing. Commitment is important as a good leader. You are committed to your cause, you're committed to the people, you're committed to your organization, you're committed to the vision and the purpose of what you're doing. There's commitment there. Are you listening? And this is so important. You can't be half-hearted in what you're doing. You've got to be fully in, in that matter. Now I remember, you know, uh, you know, when we were running our IT company, Amos is here, you know, when we were doing work for CMC Velo, we used to spend like 14 hours straight in the IT place there in Velo, in that cold <laughs> server room working because we were committed to getting that product up, running for them. Sometimes 14 hours straight, you know. Of course, we did have our lunch break and tea break, but we were committed. Committed to what we were, you know, what we had to do. And many of you understand that, what it means to be a professional. You are committed to your work. You don't just call and say, sorry, I can't come today. I need to disappear somewhere. No, you're committed. And that's important. As a leader, you cannot be half-hearted in the task that you are leading, that you're engaged in. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, my beloved... He said, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. You're committed. Amen? Number four. Let me just move forward quickly. Courage. A leader is courageous. A very important part of your character. Courage. You know, when God called Joshua, he repeated often, Joshua chapter 1, verses 6, 7, 9, he said, Joshua, be strong of a good courage. Be strong and very courageous. Be strong and don't be afraid. You know, courage is so important. Courage is the ability to face the truth. Face the facts. Courage is your ability to confront and to be confronted. Some leaders don't like confronting people because they always like to be the nice person. That's your weakness. As a leader, you have to have the courage to confront somebody in love. But on the same token, as a leader, you've got to have the courage to let people confront you. Give their ideas. Give their suggestions. That's courage. It takes courage to give people the permission and to give people the sense of freedom to come and give their ideas, 
because they know this leader is not afraid to face or to listen or hear contradictory or differing ideas and opinions because the ultimate goal is the good of the organization, the good of the people that we are leading. It takes courage. Are you listening? A leader who does not want to listen to other differing views and opinions is a covered. I couldn't put it more bluntly. <laughs> He's not a courageous leader. He has a pretense of courage, but he refuses to listen to other opinions. He's a covered. He refuses to face up to the truth. He's a covered. He's a, he's, he refuses to face up to actual facts and data. He's a covered. There is no courage in that. To live in denial, to refuse the data, to refuse the facts, to refuse differing views and opinions. Are you listening? Got to be a courageous leader. Face the giants. Don't deny the giants. There are giants, you got to face them. There are cities to be conquered, you got to face them, Joshua. The cities are fortified, you got to face them, Joshua. Be strong and courageous. And once again, here's a very uh, interesting uh, article. Again, this is from Harvard Business Magazine. Uh, this was from an earlier issue, January, January issue, uh, by, uh, written by James Detroit. He actually is the author of a book, Choosing Courage. And uh, he has an article there in the Harvard Business Review called, uh, What Courageous Leaders Do Differently. And he mentions three simple things, very simple. What courageous leaders do differently? And of course, he's coming from an organizational business point of view. But listen to these simple points. Number one, courageous leaders display openness and humility. They don't pretend to be fearless. They are willing to admit their own faults. They're willing to listen. If they made a mistake, they're willing to own up. That takes courage. So courageous leaders display openness and humility. Number two, courageous leaders put principles first. Their intent is not on winning a popularity contest. Their intent is live by the right principle. And number three, courageous leaders focus on making environments safer for others. That means they're constantly thinking, of, I take the risk, I want to make it better for the people who are following me. That's a courageous leader. Are you listening? No amens today. <laughs> Number five, a fifth ingredient of good character is diligence, hard working. You know, you, you are persevering, you're enduring, you're passionate, you're zealous. Romans 12, 8, the verse we read, he who leads must lead with diligence. And as a leader, people are not going to work any more harder than they see you work. They're not going to be any more passionate than they see the passion in you. So you set the bar. You be diligent and others will follow. And they will catch the same enthusiasm, the passion, the zeal that you demonstrate. Number six is humility. 
So, walking in humility. Proverbs 22 verse 4 says, Humility and the fear of the Lord are riches, honor, and life. And this is an important ingredient for good character, for great leadership, for, for a great leader and good leadership, walking in humility. And we touched on that. That you are, you don't elevate yourself. You may be in, in the highest position, but you walk humbly before God and before people. The problem with the church is that we have created celebrities of our apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. And God never intended for them to be celebrities. They're supposed to be servants. But in the church, when I say church, I'm meaning church everywhere, worldwide. We have turned these people into superstars and superheroes. The apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, Advanced, as though they are invincible, made of angel material. <laughs> and we are, we are at fault for that. So what has happened? And this is a problem in the church. Celebrity leaders feel they are above the law. Everybody else obey God. I am somewhere above you. and So I don't have to obey God. I don't have to follow the scriptures. They're not answerable to anyone. Celebrity leaders feel they're entitled. After all, I'm serving God. After all, I'm this anointed person. I'm entitled. I have to have this. I deserve this. Celebrity leaders label any form of questioning or any differing opinion as persecution. See, I'm being persecuted. No, you're just being faced with the truth. But they call it persecution. Celebrity leaders justify their wrong deeds, claiming good intent. Sometimes they even say, God told me. Nobody can question that. If God told them, who are you and I to question that? Sadly, God hasn't. God is scratching his head and said, did I tell you? But that's celebrity leaders and how they operate in the church today. Christianity Today is a, is a Christian magazine. Of course, now it's moved into media, digital version. But it was set up many years ago by Billy Graham, I think in the 1960s. One of the longest-serving Christian magazine, very objective, very clear. And last year, in June 2021, uh, they, they started a podcast called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. And if you're interested, you could go and listen. They've just completed 16 episodes now over the last year. But they did a study on this particular church called Mars Hill Church that was based in Seattle. And then that started in 1996, and it, it grew explosive. Now, Seattle is one of the most unchurched, was one of the most unchurched cities in, in the United States. And so it was a real place where, they, place where they really needed a church. And Mars Hill Church was doing amazing work. It was at one point one of the most influential or leading, among the leading churches, influential churches in the United States. Uh, it had it grown uh, to, I think, over 15,000 people, explosive growth, amazing, amazing. But all of a sudden, within three months or so, in 2014, collapsed, everything gone. 18 years, gone. 
And so Christianity Today in that podcast series on the rise and fall of Marcel did an, you know, like an investigative learning study on what happened, what went wrong. Here was a church that was set to impact the nation. It was doing such amazing work. What happened? And so they investigated. And so it's a really heart-rending uh, series to listen to. It's not an easy thing to listen to. But if you want to see and understand what's happening in Christianity, in the world, Christian world today, it's an important series to listen, especially as a leader. But there they expose and they bring out the fact that inside all of the amazing work that was going on was conflict and abuse. And one of the things they highlight was this Christian celebrity mentality. And the people who also were responsible for it because they supported that. And when they saw wrong, they could not speak up, but they would not address it. They celeb supported this Christian celebrity mentality. And ultimately that led to the collapse of such a powerful, strong church that was emerging. Important lesson for us to learn. What did Jesus teach us about leadership? In Matthew 20, verses 25 to 28, he said, you know, he looked at the Gentiles and he said, you know, he told his disciples, look at the Gentiles. You know, how their leaders, they lorded over them. But he said, it will not be among you. It will not be so among you. Whoever desires to be first, let him be your slave. Whoever desires to be great among you, let him be your servant. So what did Jesus teach us? That place of leadership is really a place of servanthood. You're a leader because you're called to serve the people. Are you listening? And so, in whatever capacity you're a leader, your heart attitude is, I'm here to serve the people. I'm here as their servants. I'm serving them. And that will keep us from this celebrity mentality. And the same, the same thing, I've referred to the church, but the same happens in all other spheres. When the leader thinks he's a celebrity, he abuses his power, his influence, and all kinds of things happen. Lastly, number seven, seven important, important ingredient of good character is respect. You and I treat every person with respect. Whether it's somebody who is very influential, powerful, uh, educated, highly educated, etc., etc., or whether it's just a simple, ordinary person, you treat both of them with respect. And if you can't do that, then God needs to change our hearts. We need to treat everybody with respect, with fairness, with equity, with justice for all, no partiality. First, Timothy, First Peter 2.17 says, honor all people, honor everybody, including the ones who don't agree with you. Bible didn't say honor just the people who are in your camp, on your side of the fence. Honor everybody, including the ones on the other side of the fence. Treat them with respect, including those in other camps. Treat them with respect. Honor everybody. So that's important as a leader. People need to know that you're a leader. But you will treat them with respect, even if they 
disagree with you, even if they are from a different background or a different, whatever different. You treat them with respect. Romans 12, 18, it says, live peacefully with all men. So are you with me so far? So how can you say you've got good character? Look at these seven ingredients. We'll review them quickly. Integrity. Let's say it together. Integrity. Accountability. Commitment. Courage. Diligence. Humility. Respect. Now, you see, if these things are developing in you, now none of us are born with all this. These things had to be nurtured in us, right? And we grow in it. It's okay. We all are corrected. We watch our lives and we let these things grow. And as these things are nurtured in us, you can be sure character is being formed in you. And you are becoming ready to be a great leader and provide good leadership to the people who follow you. And ask God. Be open before God. God, I want these things in me. I want to treat everybody fairly. You know, I'm not asking you to do this, but when I lead the church, and we are an organization as well, we have staff working with us. We have, I don't know, I don't know what the number is, but I think we have 30 full-time staff and maybe about 30 consultants and then some other people, translators, outreach pastors, and also it's not a big organization, but here's what I tell myself. Whatever rules apply for them, apply for me. We have a staff document. We have a HR document for all our staff. Whatever is in that document applies to me also. I'm not above that. Everybody fills timesheet. I fill my weekly timesheet to report what I did with my time. Senior pastor? Yeah. Now, nobody comes and says, if you don't fill your timesheet, you won't get paid. <laughs> but I still fill my timesheet to report what I did in the week. I have to report at least 40 hours of work. Why? Because I submit myself. It's a good thing. I hold myself accountable to those things. If I want others to do it, I do it. Now, I'm not telling you that you should operate this way. I'm just telling what I do to hold myself accountable as a leader. That I'm not above the law. Now, if you don't want to fill time sheet, it's okay. I'm, don't say pastor told me how to fill time sheet. That's not the point. <laughs> I'm just saying, you do what you need to do to be a person of character. So, how do you develop such character? Very quickly, four things and we close. Number one, is discipline. Character doesn't happen by accident. And nobody can impart it to you. You can come and say, pray for me. I'll pray for you. But understand, you have to go and live your life. Character comes through discipline. I can't impart, I can't anoint character on you. It comes through your own discipline, a life of discipline. The great apostle Paul said, I discipline my body, I keep it in subjection. He had to do it. He's an apostle, but he had to discipline himself. Secondly, character comes through discipling. That means through somebody mentoring you, somebody coaching you, somebody having a positive influence on your life. So the big question is, who are you letting influence you? Because a lot of learning can happen 
to the people you give permission to influence you. Now, they could influence you one-on-one -on -one as you sit and talk to them, which is nice, or they can influence you through their life, the model, the people that you choose to give permission to influence you. You may watch them from a distance. You may listen to their uh, sermons or you may listen to their book, or read their books or whatever. But you're letting them influence you. That discipling is happening. Character happens through that. As iron sharpens iron. Proverbs 27, 17. Thirdly, character is developed through determination. You going through stuff in life. There is no shortcut. You've got to go through those situations. You've got to journey through those, those circumstances. And that's how you nurture character. The Bible teaches us in Romans 5 that tribulation, that is difficult situations, develop perseverance or endurance. And endurance is what brings out character. Are you with me? So you've got to do it. You've got to take up the task. Go through it. You can't sit at home and say, God, anoint me with character. It'll never happen. You've got to go through take responsibility. You got to go through those things. You got to serve. You got to face this hardship. And lastly, character comes through your personal devotion to God. Out of that fear of God will that character be forged in you. Proverbs 23 verse 17 says, do not let your heart envy sinners. Be zealous for the fear of the Lord all the day. Live in the fear of God all the time. So no matter what situation, temptation you're faced with, you live in the fear of God, character is being forged in you. Are you with me? Worship team, please come. So guard and protect your character. You see, one misstep, one wrong step, I'm not saying this always happens, but one wrong step can destroy what you've given a lifetime, or it takes a lifetime to build. So guard your character. Protect your character. Ecclesiastes 10 and verse 1, it says, like dead flies are in a, in a perfume bottle. That's our one foolishness. Act of foolishness is for somebody who's respected for wisdom and honor. It's so out of place. So guard your character. And lastly, I want to challenge us. The leaders we are and the leaders we follow must be people of strong character. Are you with me? The leaders we are and the leaders we follow must be people of strong character character. Be discerning. Look at that first. Sometimes in the church we are guilty, as I mentioned earlier. We only focus on the performance. You see, it's easy to perform for 45 minutes behind this pulpit. It doesn't take much character to do that. It just takes a little bit of drama. But who I am, once I get off the pulpit, that's determined by my character. The sad thing is, in the Christian world, we only look at what happens from the pulpit. Who we are and the people we follow, first and foremost, should be people of good character. And that's the requirement that 
Paul the Apostle wrote very explicitly in 1 Timothy chapter 3 of what is required of spiritual leaders. And may you, in your capacity as a leader, whether you're leading at home, as a father, as a husband, as a wife and a mother, whether you're leading you know, in your classroom, in the college, in your college, or head of your student union, or your head of a project team at work, or whatever, whatever area, you see, be a person of character, good character. Watch over these seven ingredients in your life. Be a person of character. You know, Martin Luther King Jr. made this amazing statement in a speech which is very famous he said i have a dream today i have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin but by the content of their character i think that's so important for you and me you don't look at people from their outside look at the content of their character Amen? What are they really made of? That's your true strength. Your character is your true strength. I want to just address two questions before we worship. Here's one question. Important question. Why do people follow and support a leader whose character is corrupt? The leader speaks blatant lies, incites hate, thrives by dividing people, mismanages, and in some cases obviously incompetent, and still people follow him. We see this in the church, sometimes in business, in politics, in government. Why do people follow a leader who's very obviously doesn't have the character? The short answer is, for the wrong reasons. There are wrong reasons. So if you investigate, you look into it, there's always, there are always wrong, underlying reasons are wrong. That's why they're willing to follow such a leader. When they know that the fruit of that life is detrimental to them and perhaps the larger body that's being led. They know it, but they still follow such a leader for the wrong reasons. And if you delve into it, you'll find out what those wrong reasons are. They could vary. They have personal agendas to fulfill, etc., etc. Maybe they get some benefit out of it, so on. Second question. If the pastor of a local church is a person of poor character, hopefully not APC, but... <laughs> And he refuses to repent, continues in his wrongdoing, and continues to hold on to his position of spiritual leadership. What should the congregation do? And this is my personal response. Very simple. Find another church. If the pastor is not willing to change, you don't have any reason to live under or be under a man or a woman of bad character. You don't need to. No amens to it, but... <laughs> Did you learn something today?
my prayer is that God that we will not only have understanding being given to us but there will be an impartation of the Holy Spirit on our lives that there will be an impartation of that wisdom that grace that empowers each one of us in our areas of leadership that you will be an outstanding leader wherever God has placed you there will be an impartation on your life for that that people will see the wisdom of God. They will see the grace of God. They will see the empowering of God. And they will say, the only reason that person is such a good leader is because God's hand is upon her or him. And may that be true in your life. Amen. Let's rise to our feet. We're going to take a few moments to pray and then we will dismiss. Father, we just thank you for leaders, for men and women that you raise up and put in places of responsibility or places of influence, places that they can lead us, Lord. We thank you for leaders. Thank you for men and women in this audience, Lord, for the leadership responsibility you've given to each one. For the leaders, they for the leadership that they will step into in the days to come. And Father, I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus that that there will be an impartation. There will be a release of heavenly empowering, of grace, of anointing, of wisdom, of strength to be godly leaders, women and men of stature, of strength, of character. Who will represent Christ where you have placed us. That Christ will be embodied. Christ will be seen through us. Through the leadership we are able to bring, Lord. Let Jesus be seen. Forge in each of us these essential ingredients of strong moral character. Build it into each of us, Lord. And God, through the leadership we provide, let good come. Let lives be blessed. Let people be ministered to. Let lives be enriched. Let lives be the better through the leadership that is provided, Lord, through your people. May this be true in each of our lives. May this be true. May we make a difference, Lord, for your kingdom in this world. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We bless your name. We bless your name. Thank you, Lord. Before we sing, I just want to give an invitation to anyone who is in this audience or maybe you're watching online. You never received Jesus Christ as your Lord, as your Savior. I know we spoke about leadership. But the greatest thing, the most important thing that can happen to you and me 
is to come into relationship with God, to be born again, to have our sins forgiven, and to become children of the living God. And that can happen, the Bible says, as we receive Jesus Christ into our lives. Doesn't matter if you were born in a Christian family, whatever family, doesn't matter what your social or educational background is, none of that matters. We all need a Savior, and Jesus Christ is the Savior. The Bible says, whoever receives Him, to them He gives the power to become the children of God. And today, if you will receive Jesus, He will make you a child of God. He will forgive you your sins. He'll bring you into the family of God. And so if there's anybody here in this auditorium or watching online, you've never received Jesus Christ into your life, you've never been born again, I want to request you, if, you, if you'd like to, to just follow me in this simple prayer. Just say this with me, Lord Jesus, forgive my sins. Come into my life. Make me a child of God. And help me to follow you and you alone the rest of my life. From this day forward, I believe in you, Lord Jesus. And I live for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Anybody, you prayed this prayer with me for the very first time. I'd just like to see your hands. You prayed, prayed this prayer today, right now, for the very first time. Just raise your hands. I don't want to embarrass anybody. Is anybody here? Prayed this prayer with me for the very first time. Okay. I don't, I don't see any hands. But if there's anybody here in this auditorium, you pray this prayer with me on your way out. At our exits, there are ushers who have a bag. We call it the New Believers Bag. And if you pray that prayer with me for the first time, just ask them for it. They'll give it to you. It's free. And just write your name on a card that says decision card. Just write your name on it and a number. Hand it back to them. They'll give you this bag. Take it with you. And somebody from the church office will call you and guide you on how to use the resources that bag. We're going to pray, we're going to sing. After that, we're going to dismiss. Our pastoral team will be here and life group leaders, if you want to join, you can come here and we'll be available to pray with you, to minister to you if you need personal prayer and personal ministry right after we dismiss. I'll hand it off to the worship team. Worship team will lead us, please. God. You're the name above, cause you're the name above all names, cause you are worthy of all praise, in my heart.
for the work of your spirit for the power of your words and may your grace the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ the love of God our Heavenly Father and the sweet fellowship of his Holy Spirit be with each of us always in Jesus name everyone said Amen thank you for listening we trust this message was a blessing to you for more free resources, including sermons, sermon notes, and books, please visit apcwo.org. For information on APC Bible College in Bangalore, visit apcbiblecollege.org. Do remember to download the All People's Church Bangalore app from the Apple or Google Play Store.